0: Amen. Well, thank you all for the space and for the grace for that. Thank you so much for being with us today. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at our New City Matthews location. And if you are joining us for the first time today, your timing couldn't be better. Your timing couldn't be better. Not only did you witness a baptism, but we're starting a new sermon series today on the book of James, and we are super excited for this series. So with that, I'm going to ask now, if you're able, could you please stand one more time as we look at our scripture for today found in James chapter number 1, verse number 1. The word of God to you today. This letter is from James, slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Right here in the opening line of this book, James invites us into his letter to Christians living in an exiled place and Christians that are struggling to know how to live for Jesus in a troubled world. They wanted to know, how do we get through what we are going through? And maybe like me, there are times in your life where you're wondering the same thing. God, how do I get through what it is I am going through? And this is what the letter or the book that carries James' name is all about. Make no mistake about it, the book of James is an in-your-face, no-holds-barred kind of a book. In the book, James essentially says, if you're going to be a Christian... Be a real one. If you're gonna do it, go all the way. This book explains what practical Christianity looks like. It looks like you and I living out our faith in everyday situations with everyday people and doing it victoriously. That's what the book of James is all about. Now, to start today, I wanna ask a question Have you ever felt stuck in life? Does anybody in here ever feel, oh, y'all got some, y'all some good holy folks. I need to, <laughs> need to spend, some time, spend some time with y'all. Well, some of you have, have heard my story before. Um, and um, when I think about being stuck, um, I always go to a point in my life several years ago where that's exactly where I was. I found myself uh, frustrated. I was burnt out. And, and above all else, I was confused. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be doing the things I was doing at the time. I wasn't sure. I needed clarity. Um, While I was once happy with those things, um, I was at a point in my life where joy was hard to come by. I was questioning my my call to ministry and I wasn't really sure um, what I should be doing. And to add on top of that, I had just gone through a rough time relationally. And so I wondered how I was going to get through what I found myself going through. And for me specifically, I wanted to get out of those hard situations in my life that I found myself in. But what I began to learn was that God wanted to get into my heart through the hard situations of my life that I found myself in. While I was busy wanting to get out of what I was into, God was busy trying to get into my heart through what I was going through. So here in the book of James, James is writing to a group of people who are in a tough spot. He's writing to a group of people that feel stuck and they're wondering how their faith in a real Jesus was going to be real to them. This is exactly where I was. How, does my, how will my faith in a real Jesus become real to me in the midst of what I was going through. It's important for for you to know that the people that James is writing to here, they had lost everything. They had lost everything fleeing from persecution in Rome and from the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem. They were scattered from their homes and they were making new lives in new places. This is where they are. Undoubtedly they were wondering how are we going to get through what we're going through? And so their pastor, James, he writes this letter to them. And through God's power, he's writing to all of us. It's an important letter. And because it is, we're going to walk through this together for the next several months. But as we begin to walk through this letter together, uh, this book together, I want to encourage you to do a few things. Um, The first is be here. Be here. Be here as much as you can, whether it's in person or online. But be present with this series. The second is invite other people who you know are feeling stuck. Who you know. Some of those people that are on your prayer list right now that are stuck, that are believing God to get them out of what they're going through, invite them into what God is doing. Invite them to come and sit with you here on a Sunday morning. The third thing is read ahead and study this book for yourself. I was brought up to believe that, that there's only so much that people in my position can give you. There are other things that God wants to whisper in your ear as you spend time with him alone. Corporate worship has its place, but individual worship has its place as well. We have stickers and discussion guides that can help you read and study along. And then the fourth is pray. I want you to pray for the wisdom and the faith, the sensitivity to recognize doors that God wants you to walk through to recognize doors that God is closing in this season. So I need you to be here. I want you to invite others, read and study, and then pray. In fact, let's take a moment to pray together as we dive into this series right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this book of James. We thank you for uh, the wisdom. We thank you for the practicality of this book. Now, God, we submit all of our cares and our concerns to you. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we feel. And God, we pray that you would help us to exchange those things for your wisdom, for your grace, and for your glory. As we walk through this series together, God, I pray that you would open our mind's eye. That you would increase our sensitivity. And that through that, we would see you move in unmistakable and undeniable ways. Thank you for what you're going to do as we study this book together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's children said amen. And amen. So as we dive in, uh, I want to start by giving you um, an overview of the book of James. Uh, Chapter by chapter, uh, a breakdown of what each chapter is about. This was helpful for me. I saw this in one of my favorite commentaries. Uh, Chapter 1 of the book of James is all about trials, temptation, and true religion. Trials, temptation, and true religion. Chapter 2 is about the failure of favoritism and useless faith. Chapter 3... The untamed tongue, how many got untamed tongues? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Um, The untamed tongue and the way of wisdom. Chapter 4, hostility or humility. And chapter 5, pride, patience, and prayer. This is what we're going to be looking at together as we walk through the book of James over the next several months. But today, our focus is on James uh, chapter 1. Verse number one, and we learn a lot here from these opening lines. So let's look at uh, chapter one, verse one, one more time, of the Book of James. It says this: "This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers, scattered abroad. Greetings." Now we're going to get some insight uh, today into three things from verse number one. We're going to get some insight into the author. Who is James? How was he brought up? We'll get some insight into the recipients, recipients, those that he is writing to, the 12 tribes, Jewish believers. And then finally today we'll look at uh, the theme of the book of James. The theme. The theme is scattered. He's writing to people that are scattered. They're scattered physically and they're scattered in their lives as well. So I want to start today by uh, talking through the question, Who is James? Who is James? Now, let's to, to talk about who James is. Let's look at his family of origin. His family of origin. Uh, James, as some of you know, is the brother, or technically the half brother, of Jesus. James grew up with Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, and is most likely James is the second oldest because he is always mentioned first in the listing of Jesus's brothers and sisters but as i looked at this and studied this i wonder what that was like i wonder what it's like having jesus as your older brother i wonder i wonder what that's like right like in my mind like how do you measure up right your brother's 12 years old and he's teaching in the synagogue at 12 years old how do you how do you compete with that right this is this is how james grew up. I don't know maybe they shared maybe he shared a room with Jesus, maybe he learned carpentry or the family family business with Jesus, but Jesus and James grew up in a in a family full of dysfunction. Full of activities, not unlike the families that we grew up in. They grew up in the same type of family. Now, they were from Nazareth and this was Nazareth during the 1st century was a small town. It probably had about 500 people in it. In the 1st century Small town, but there were big families living in small houses. Big families living in small houses. It makes me think of of how my mother was brought up. Um, We jokingly talk about it. They were like a country family in the middle of New York City, middle of Brooklyn. My mother was the second oldest of 16 children. 16 children. Woo, yeah, woo is right. (laughs) 16 children. Nine boys, seven girls. And they lived in like a four-bedroom apartment in the projects in Brooklyn, New York. Packed house. Packed house. And this is the same way that Jesus grew up. They had a they had a full and a packed house. We know this by looking at Matthew chapter number 13, verses 54 through 58. They had a packed house. The scripture says this. He returned to Nazareth, Nazareth, his hometown where he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So we know that the house was packed. He had several brothers and sisters. But we also see in this verse both the humanity and the normalcy of Jesus. We also get some insight into something else through Jesus' words here in this scripture. He says... He's honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. So as we look at who James is, point number two is James and his siblings did not follow Jesus initially. Jesus just gave us some insight into that. They did not follow him initially. I want to show you another scripture that confirms this. John chapter number 7 verses 1 through 5 says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, they said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you, can, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Now, you can't read that too fast, right? Not only did they not believe him, but were they trying to get him killed? The scripture says that the Jewish leaders were plotting to kill him. Yet his brothers say, if you are who you say you are, go. Go. And so this is the interesting dynamic By which James is being brought up. This is important for us to understand as we get into the book of James. Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 say this. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. And look at what they said. They said, he's out of his mind. His family said that. Now, some of us can identify with family members that don't agree with the calling of God on our lives, right? Some of us can identify with the fact that family members don't agree with who you chose to spend the rest of your life with, right? All these kind of things we we experience. But this is amazing to me. Not only did they not believe in him, they said he was crazy. Said it was crazy. But here we are reading a book that his brother James has written. This is how they were brought up. But now James is writing a book, essentially telling people that you need to believe in my brother and follow what he teaches. So as we think about that, I ask myself the question, what changed for James? What changed for him? What changed? And I'll tell you what changed, the resurrection. The resurrection happened, and it changed James. Let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 7. It says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. He was seen by James. And so that changes everything for James. I don't know about you. But for me, if somebody rises, rises from the dead, I would change my mind about them. Whatever I was thinking pre-resurrection, my mind is now different now. And so this is what happens to James. This is, what, this is what happens to him. And that's probably what it took for the rest of his siblings to change their mind about their crazy big brother, Jesus. And by the way, one of the greatest pieces of evidence for the resurrection is the fact that Jesus' family, who were once skeptics, were now believers in him. And for James specifically, he even was martyred for his brother, saying that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is everything that he said he was. Now, again, I I put myself in the scriptures here. And and have any of you ever been addressed as Lord by your sibling? (laughs) Probably not, right? My brother would never. (laughs) Never. <laughs> my, brother, my brother would never. If y'all have heard me talk before, y'all heard me say, I got a twin brother. and He got a little gangster in him. And he got a little, he's saved, right? He saved. He saved me. He's an elder in his church. But he got a little gangster. So I could not imagine him calling, me, him calling me Lord. But this is exactly what happens for James. This is exactly what happens. So it's in the backdrop of all of this that you and I need to understand what it is that he's writing here to the church that he pastors. So that's a little bit about um, his family of origin. They They weren't initially followers of Jesus. The resurrection happens. That changes everything. Fast forward and now James pastors the Jerusalem church. Everything changes for him and now he pastors the Jerusalem church. And the book that James writes here is writing a letter to his flock who is scattered all around. And by the way, uh, the book of James is one of the earliest New Testament books, if not the earliest. It's one of the earliest New Testament books. And James is a very important leader in the church. So James goes from a skeptic of his own brother to being a very important leader in the church. In fact, when Paul and Barnabas came to Jerusalem to settle the Gentile issue, it was James that spoke up on behalf of the council. In Acts chapter number 15. And this is interesting for you and I to understand because the book of James, if you, if you study theology and you study the Bible, the book of James often gets a bad rap. The book of James often gets a bad rap because some people believe that it's a book that promotes a form of efforts or works-based faith. And that's the argument. That's the argument. But James is the one who is answering the Gentile question and saying, no, Gentiles do not have to become Jews. Gentiles do not have to become Jews. It's also noteworthy to understand that James and Paul were close. James and Paul were close. Paul visited James multiple times in Jerusalem. Visited James multiple times in Jerusalem. James was the one who blessed Paul and his team to go to the Gentiles with the gospel of his brother. That was James. In fact, James was martyred just before Paul was. James was martyred in Jerusalem and Paul in Rome. And, and these fulfilled Jesus' great commission. Fulfilled what he speaks about in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. So as we begin the book, it's important for us to stand, understand a little bit of who James is. But now let's talk for a moment about who he is writing to. He's writing, verse 1 says, to the 12 tribes. He's writing to the 12 tribes. Now in this, James uses language that every Jew would have known. He uses language every Jew would have known. He's comparing the Jewish Christians to the tribes of God's people who are now exiled just as the tribes have been. And so James is probably the most Jewish book in the New Testament. It's probably the most Jewish book in all of the New Testament. And in it, James is writing to Christians uh, about instructions for how to live out their faith during great difficulty. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's when real faith rises up, right? In great difficulty. It's not when everything is everything is roses, and everything is good. Where is your faith in great difficulty? I don't know a soul in this room that doesn't need a message like that. How is your faith in times of difficulty? And for you and I, knowing this primary audience that he's writing to is important for us to understand how he writes and why he writes what he writes. So his audience here is Christians, and he's giving them instructions on how to live out their faith. Now, as I wrap this up today, I wanted to give you kind of a broad overview of the book, but I want to talk just for a moment about the theme of this book, the theme of James here. The book of James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of the book of Proverbs. And James is known as a Proverbs of the New Testament. This book is James' take on the Sermon on the Mount, which, by the way, he references over 100 times in the book of James. He references the Sermon on the Mount over 100 times in the book of James because James wants to give wisdom for Christian living to his flock that has been scattered and they've been persecuted. However, the church is scattered so that the gospel can be scattered. And I don't know about you, but for me, that lets me know that at times there's purpose to persecution. Sometimes God won't get us out of what we're into because he wants to work something into our hearts. Sometimes that's the delay because God wants to do some work on the inside of us. And when that work is done, oftentimes that's when God moves us on to the next thing. And so it's important for us to know that as we pray and as we study this book together is that God is a faithful and a loving God. And he wants to do a work in our hearts. And so this book of James is, is not primarily a book about what is, but it's primarily a book about how to. How to. In other words, this book is more about wisdom than it is information. Wisdom that deals with the question, how to get through what we are going through. Y'all know where I'm at right now. Y'all know. Y'all know, it's no secret. My wife hadn't been here since January 8th. And so I need to know, God, how do I get through what I'm going through? We don't have clarity yet on her health issues. And I just want to publicly say thank you to all of you. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Praying for us. Dropping things off, food and other things that we need. But I also say that I'm in this journey with you. I'm right here in the middle of of this with you. One of the things that you can count on for me is I'm going to always be vulnerable with you. So when we talk about how to get through what we're going through, I'm living it. You have no idea how hard it is for me to be here without her. I know that God called me to this. I know that we are beloved and But, God, how do I get through what we're going through? That's the question. But God is going to meet us. This I know. God is going to meet us. And I'm excited not just for what God is going to do in my life and in my wife's life, but I'm excited about what God is going to do in yours. Because the scripture says in Revelation that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So for me, it's not just about what God is doing in my life. It's about what he's doing in yours. So I encourage you again to be here. Read ahead. Invite other people to join us on this journey. And then let's pray together that God will do unmistakable and undeniable things as we walk through this journey together. Amen. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, you are a wonderful and awesome and a loving God. And we thank you that our persecution is not in vain. We thank you, God, that you are with us, you are for us, and that you love us, God. And so we stand on that today, Father. We stand on that truth. In spite of what life looks like, in spite of how we feel, in spite of what we're going through. We are believing by faith, together in agreement, that you will in fact show us how to get through what we're going through. In the meantime, God, help us to realize that we're not alone. That we're walking with family. More importantly, You're walking with us. And so we're grateful for the mighty things that you're going to do as we walk through this series together. We're grateful for the demonstrations of your love, the demonstrations of your grace, the breakthrough, the release, the clarity. We believe it, God. And we receive it now by faith. For you a good good father. Thank you for your blessings towards us. In Jesus' name. Amen.